And so tonight will be pretty interesting. And the reason I say that is because I am, I'm such a preparer. I like to be prepared. And funny enough, <laughs> funny enough, the word I'm about to use is chaos. And we're going to learn a little bit about chaos tonight. And that just makes me a little tender because the Lord knows what he's doing. So really wanted to be prepared. Um, and I just haven't had time to really sit down and get things out. Obviously, I have a PDF, so I did a little bit of that, but it was kind of last minute. Um, and so since going from a four-week class to a six-week class, things have kind of shifted, and the Lord started week one with somewhat of a new teaching um, in addition to what the four weeks were before. And um, this week will kind of be like that. I, I kept trying to press in and say, okay, do you want me to shift things a week, another week and add a different teaching, or what do you want me to do? And I just kept hearing this phrase, forming and filling, forming and filling. And so he just kept showing me forming and filling. And I'm like, okay, well, I have this one scripture that I really want to hit on, but how does that tie in? And so last night we're in bed and I'm on the laptop and I'm just kind of giggling. And Chris, <laughs> Kim is like, hey, what's going on? And, uh, and I'm like, uh, the Lord's hit me with some stuff right now. You know, I'm like ooing and eyeing and that kind of thing. And, and so the Lord is making some connections and then just even more just now. So I'm just going to allow him to say what he wants and do what he wants. Um, but I believe that he put this together in a way that I didn't even know that he was putting it together. And so I'm super excited for that tonight. So week two, Beyond Limits, we're calling it Forming and Filling. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, here in just a minute, this idea of, of chaos and rubble, um, destruction essentially, and then the Lord desiring to shape and give purpose and function and also fill and be our sustenance. Um, as we're singing that song, uh, you're more than enough for me. It just perfectly ties in tonight because that is... That's the idea. Week one, we talked about the Lord being our primary source for all truth. But really, the Father's saying, I want to be your primary source for all things. And we're going to see how he is kind of, um, even in the beginning in Genesis, how he has um, formed things and then filled them. And he has created sustenance, a way for us to consume and exist uh, in the way that he desires for us to do that. Volume needs to come up. Okay, hold on. Sorry. Let's see. A check one, two test. Maybe that's better. Can I get a thumbs up? Is that better audio? That's good. Everybody can hear. Okay. All right. Fantastic. So let's dive into the scriptures. Again, this is a scriptural journey into embracing su supernatural possibilities. And so really am going to be very scripture heavy on this. And so this is somewhat of a foundational verse. I, I know that we laid a big foundation last week, but apparently we're still laying foundation. Ephesians 3, 16 through 21 says, I pray that from his glorious riches, he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Ruach or his spirit so that Messiah Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So there's this idea that we have a space that has been formed to be filled. And the, the thing, the person that fills that is 
Messiah. He dwells there in our hearts that has been shaped and formed purposefully for him. And it says, I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to grasp with all the Kedoshim or the holy ones what is the width and length and height and depth and to know the love of Messiah which surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. And there's that phrase. It's like, Lord, forming and filling, what do you mean? So this scripture, this foundational scripture says, number one, that there is a love that that Jesus, that Messiah, Yeshua, has for us that surpasses knowledge. So there's this idea that there's a love that goes beyond anything that we can actually understand with our physical, worldly, earthly brains. Okay, so we essentially, with this human mind, have a limitation of understanding the love of Yahweh. It takes His Spirit filling us and then enlivening us to begin to even grasp a love that surpasses knowledge. So the the prerequisite for understanding a love that surpasses knowledge is the Spirit at work in our lives revealing a love that surpasses knowledge. And so here's this idea again of um, truth and that the Lord is the one that reveals truth to us. And so this idea of beyond limits, well, let's, let's keep going. So that you may be filled up with all fullness and power of God. Now to him who's able to do far beyond all we ask or imagine. So that's where I got this phrase beyond limits. Yahweh, the Father, is able to do far beyond all we ask or imagine. And so I've put it this way before, that the the moment we even imagine something, or the moment we even craft a statement to ask of Yahweh, that phrase has already limited what He's capable of doing, doing because He can do far beyond it. And so there's this idea that, I mean, Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. There's this whole other teaching on we only ask what we think we're worthy of. We ask for portions when we're worthy of fullness. And so a lot of times from that place of guilt and shame and we, we, we misunderstand who we are. We don't realize who we are as sons of God and that all that is in the kingdom is ours because we are heirs in Christ. And so we typically only ask for what we think that we're worthy of. And so we limit Yahweh and the things that we ask based on some of those things. But he's able to do more far beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. So we just want to talk about embracing supernatural possibility. Let's think about the way that maybe we've limited the Father in the things that we've asked him because of the way that we see ourselves. The, way, the things we ask Yahweh for says probably says more about what we believe about ourselves than what we do about God. He's so good. By means of His power that works within us. So again, it's the Spirit. Now to Him be the glory in the, in the community of believers and in Messiah Yeshua throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so there's this idea, again, that Father is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine. And so this Beyond Limits class is the idea that I want to get past that. I want to be made fully aware of the ways that I've limited the Father in the things that I've asked, and even in the ways that I've understood Him up until this point. Week one was all about we got to lay down the pride. We have to realize that maybe what we've learned about Yahweh to this point is is 90% wrong, 30% wrong, 20% wrong, 10% wrong. There's something that's been off. 
at some point in time. And we can't be prideful to think that we've learned everything there is to know about God up until this point. I mean, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the next scripture that we're looking at. Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God had created the heavens and the earth. Have you explored all of the heavens? Have you stepped foot on every square inch of the earth that Yahweh's created? What makes you think you can box him in if you've not explored everything he's created? Do you know the depths of every soul that Yahweh's created? Billions of people over millennia? Then you can't say that you know all things about God. How foolish and how prideful of us. Right? That's a hard word, but let me tell you, it's from a place of love because it's an invitation to say, come learn more. Last week we ended by Yeshua saying, come to me all who are weary and burned, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's an invitation. Lay down the heavy yoke, lay down the heavy burdens, and take your yoke, my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm, I'm gentle. I'm kind. This is a wonderful journey that we get to do together. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was chaos or without form and waste or void and empty. And darkness was on the surface of the deep and the Ruach Elohim was hovering upon the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. So God distinguished the light from the darkness God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So there was evening and there was morning one day. So I made a statement. I said, the things that we ask of the Father often say a lot about what we think about ourselves rather than what we think about him. And oftentimes it says a lot about what we think about him, what he's capable of. But I think it starts with self when we talk a lot about having to die to self. I think that if we can get a better picture of who we are, this is an identity message, essentially, of who we are because of who he created us to be. Well, then we can step into identity and believe further or faith more into the things that the Father wants to do in us and through us. And so we're going to be talking about shaping and forming and the Father building things and making things so that he can fill them and give them purpose so that we can essentially initially be invited into relationship with him and then be given a purpose and identity and be invited into mission with him as well. So I was just picturing this and I was reminded of some of the word study that I did, but it says the spirit of God or the, the Ruach Elohim, the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. So just imagine this, um, this image and there's, the spirit, the breath, the wind of God. And it's hovering over and it sees this earth that's without form and void. That word without form means chaos. And if you look, if you look it up and do a little bit more study, it actually has this idea of rubble, indistinguishable rubble. So at one point it was something but now it's rubble and it no longer has a distinguishing factor. And when you give something, when, when something is no longer rubble and it has shape and it has form, it has identity and it has a name. And because it has a name, it has an identity and it has a way that it looks. We know its form and its function and its purpose. And so fathers, he's hovering over the earth and he sees this, this third rock from the sun that is indistinguishable rubble and it's chaotic. It's chaotic. 
and it's empty and it's void. And so that, that word then chaos, to me, means lack of order. And so Father's looking down on something that lacks His order. It lacks His will for it. Because Father has a will and He has a desire. And so He sees it. And what He wants to do is He wants to then shape it, form it, and fill it. Because when He does that, He brings His order and He brings His purpose. And so it's chaotic, it's void. So then He begins to speak, His breath which means wind, his spirit, his breath comes forward and he says, let there be. His, we see the first instance of the father seeing a place that has no kingdom order, no will of the father, and then he speaks into it and light comes and he begins to form and shape and fill the earth. Right? He separates the day from the night. He, he makes animals, he makes trees, and he makes... Um, the sea and separates the land from the water. And so he fills it, right? He separates it. He gives this space and then he fills it so that it's teeming with sea creatures and he separates the land. He pulls it out. He gives it, he makes it distinguishable from the other thing. He's separating. He is having his entity of holiness, which means fully separate. And we're seeing the image of God coming to the earth as he separates things. He says, that's what I do. I set things apart. And I give them a will and a purpose, and I give them order, my order, my will, and then I fill them. So then the land is then separated from water, and it's filled with free uh, trees and, and plants, all kinds of things that have the opportunity, the potential. And they give forth seed, and that seed then gives forth potential for something after its own kind. He does the same thing with man. He makes a garden. So he forms and, sh and shapes a place he gives a space, and then he fills it with man. He takes um, Adam. Let's read Genesis 2, 7 through 8. Then Adonai Elohim formed the man out of the dust from the ground. So there's dust, and it's just dust. But there's potential for a shaping and a forming. And he builds this entity that has no life and no breath in it. He forms it, then he fills it. His spirit. So we've got the earth without form and void. It's rubble, indistinguishable. Yahweh speaks, His breath, His Spirit comes. It gives its form and function, and He fills it. And then He takes the dust, He forms it, and then He fills it with His Spirit. And then there's life. There's man who's a living, breathing being and has a soul and has the Spirit in him that is His life, that is His breath. So the Father takes His breath and then now makes it the breath of man. So forming, shaping, filling. And so the man became a living being. Verse 8, then Adonai Elohim planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So he forms this, he gives this space. He distinguishes the garden from the rest of the place of the earth, and then he puts man in it. And so in Genesis 1, 28, it says, God blessed them, and so that's man and woman that he made in his image. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the land and conquer it. So now he's taking part of who he is. He makes us in his image. And then he gives us the ability and the power to continue to fill the earth with people in his image who then also have seed that have potential 
to give forth after its own kind that can also then form and fill, right? Isn't that interesting? There's the seed that gives forth after its own kind. So then when a woman gets pregnant within her belly, within the depths of her being, there's an entity that's formed and father fills that with life, right? And then that comes forth. And then that same being has seed within it to be able to do the same thing. And so there's this recurring theme of this forming and filling. And as we're talking about beyond limits, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about how the Father invites us into his plan for his kingdom. Jesus will teach us to pray your will on earth as it is in heaven. So the Father has a will, and then he uses man to bring forth that will. And so again, there's a continuing of the filling. As the waters cover the earth, so will the knowledge of Yahweh fill the earth. So all of the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. And who does he use but his people by the power of his spirit to do what he's doing and that's that forming and filling. And it's not just about giving function. It's not just about giving purpose. But it's about, again, inviting us into a relationship with him. So he forms the earth. He fills it. He makes man. And then he makes the garden, puts Adam in the garden, makes Eve. And then he comes and he walks with him in the, in the cool of the day. There's that intimate relationship, this face-to-face. He gives commandment, like we talked about last week, and that's the Father saying, look to me as your source of what is right and wrong. Don't eat of that tree. That's not your source. I'm your source. And so, this idea of forming and filling, I believe that, in a way, and I have this written on my, uh, on my whiteboard in my office, The phrase is, I am the chaos that Yahweh forms and fills. And I've shared that with a lot of you. I was just kind of meditating on that one day, and I realized, wow, I'm I'm that. I am that person who most of my life, even as I've professed being a Christian, see, this is where we can get off a little bit. Just because we profess Christ at one point doesn't mean that we've grown in maturity, nor have we grown in identity, nor have we grown in purpose. Because as we talked about last week, we've began to source from different places. And we do this. We look, we go to a church and we look to the pastor and we say, what do you need me to do? What can I do? Give me worth. Tell me where to serve. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Because we all want a place. We all want a purpose. We all want to function. We all want to feel like we're making a difference in this world. And a lot of times we've looked to man instead of looking to Yahweh. And so tonight is an invitation for us to look to the Father and say, yes, you are the source of truth for me, but you're also the source of my identity and my purpose and my function on this earth. It's an issue of uh, not just identity, but destiny, which we'll end up talking about. The Father has, before the foundation of the earth, He's created us to do good works in Christ Jesus. So the Father, even before we stepped on the earth, He had a purpose and a plan for us. And so then He forms us and sends us, and then at that point to where we, he's revealed to us by his spirit, 
then we see this instance where we have a filling of the Spirit. And so let's, um, let's look real quick. Let's skip Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and jump down to Matthew 16, 8. And so this is Jesus speaking. And he says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So last week we talked a little bit about Peter and his confession of Christ as the Messiah. He was, um, he was essentially congratulated or blessed. You know, uh, He says, Blessed are you, Peter, um, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven did. So he's recognizing that Peter had a heavenly revelation of the knowledge of who Yahweh was. And he says, he looks at him, he says, you got that not from man, but from heaven. And so then Jesus goes on to say, and, and you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And a lot of us think that it was Peter's profession of Christ. I think the rock that Christ builds his church on are those who receive and hear the voice of Yahweh in their life. How are they not truly sons of God more than somebody that would just come to learn maybe through knowledge or hearing that Jesus is the Messiah and simply repeating it? Because anybody can make a statement, right? But it was the Father revealing it to him. And, um, and I think the church is made up of those who would source from Yahweh for all truth and all revelation, all identity, all understanding, all purpose, right? So Jesus then, this is kind of a continuation of a separating and a filling. So we see Father do it in, uh, in Genesis. Um, he does it with, uh, and this is why I skipped um, this scripture. We'll go back to it, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. He does it with Abraham. Basically, Yahweh reveals himself to Abraham and says what? I'm going to make you a blessed people. I'm going to make you a holy or a set-apart nation. So he takes a group of people, and then he sets them apart, and then guess what? He fills them, right? He's always making and filling, making and filling, right? So how was Yahweh with them? Well, through Moses, it was through the tabernacle. Set apart this space. Here's how you form it. Here's what it looks like, and then I'm going to fill it and meet you there. The Ark of the Covenant, same thing. He formed it, here's how you make it, and then he's going to fill it. But Father has always desired to be with his people. He made Eden, this place called Pleasure, and then he puts man there, and then he comes to be with them. So there's this idea that the Lord always desires to be with his people. And so then we see that kind of culminate into where we're at now in this age where the Spirit is among the ecclesia. And so Jesus says, um, I'll tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That word ecclesia means out from and into. So there's a separation. It has multiple meanings um, or a more robust meaning. One of them is a governing body. 
But he's saying, even out of a normal group of people, I will set apart a group of people. I will form a group of people. I will form a church. I will form a governing body. I will form people who were called out from and into. I will set apart and make holy a group of people who will be purposed for what I have purposed for them, for what my will is. He's going to separate that out, and then guess what he's going to do? After he forms it, what does he do? He fills it. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, from heaven, a filling from heaven, people. Wind came from heaven, a wind, a ruach, a breath, a spirit came from heaven and filled, there's that word again, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So again, all of this, listen, we have to nail down this foundation, and you're probably going to get tired of me saying it and doing it, but it is the Spirit of God, again, that is like the foundation for all of this. It is the Spirit of God that that leads us and guides us into all truth. It's the Spirit of God that revealed to Peter who was the Messiah. It's the Spirit of God that comes and fills and empowers the church to be who the church is meant to be. There's a forming and there's a filling. And so we've got the people of God, the disciples of Christ. He told them, he said, go and wait and I'll send the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, you'll receive power You'll receive ability. You'll receive authority. You'll receive a know-how. You'll receive something that you didn't have before. You'll receive something that's from heaven that enables you to be who I created you to be that you weren't able to exist as before I filled you and before it was revealed to you who I am and what I have for you. And so the ecclesia, the church, the people of Christ, those whom he's called, those are the people, those are the church, those are the people who hear his voice, of whom he spoke, that they would know his voice and they would listen to it, that he's a good shepherd, that he would speak, and we would know his voice and we would listen and we would obey. We have one source for orders in this world. <laughs> we have one source for purpose. We have one source for function. We have one source for identity. We have one source for mission. And so, as we see through the Old Testament, the Father's forming and filling, forming and filling, forming and filling. And Jesus comes and says, I, now I'm going to do what I saw the Father do, for I only do what I see the Father doing. I've seen the Father form and fill. Now it's my turn as the Son to form and fill, and I will build my church. Jesus is building His church. He's building His people. He's giving them purpose. He's giving them function. He's speaking His voice that they hear. He's leading in them and guiding them into all truth. And he's, he is the one who is leading us to pray and to communicate with Father in heaven and say, your will on earth. What is your will in heaven so that we can manifest that on earth? What is it that you desire to be formed and filled? What do you want your kingdom to look like? How many castles do we build? Right? How big is the storehouse? 
where we feed those who are in need? How big are, how big is the, the medical wing where people get healed? So let me just say something about that real quick with healing. So we're reading, we're reading this, uh, I think that's our daughter. This, um, oh no, she's fine. These, sorry, these worship lyrics that say, I believe that you're my healer. And as I, as I had this, this thought, again, I saw kind of in my mind this darkness and this void and this rubble that had no form and no function. And in essence, I saw the sickness of the earth. And what was the sickness of the earth except that it lacked the Father's kingdom in His presence? Oof. And so what is sickness in our bodies or sickness in our mind or sickness in our land other than the absence of the order in the kingdom and the presence of God, right? Our hand is broken. It lacks the order that Father created for it. Woo, I'm preaching now, y'all. <laughs> our thoughts, our mind, depression, anxiety, all of these things, right? Anxiety, that phrase means pulled in different directions, in multiple directions, it's a, it's a whole thought, an, an ordered thought that's pulled in multiple directions, right? But then through prayer and petition, presenting our requests to God, we do that. We figure out the Father's, or we, we press in, we figure out the Father's desire for that situation. What, is, what, do, what do you desire for this situation? And when He reveals his kingdom order and what he desires, then it brings peace that transcends all understanding. Peace, shalom, means what? Wholeness. So we have this idea of rubble and chaos, anxiety, which means fractured and pulled in different directions. And then we have this idea of shalom, peace, which is a fullness, a wholeness. And I believe that it's, he, he's the prince of peace. He's the one who comes and brings full order. He's the prince. He comes in full authority, in the image and the authority of the king as the son, he's the prince, he comes and he brings kingdom order, which brings wholeness. And it takes what was once empty and lacking the order and lacking the presence of God, and he fills it in that regard. And so, you know, we asked the question, and I was talking about healing just a little bit, Talking about anxiety, depression, all these emotions, guilt, shame, all of these negative emotions, anything that presents itself as a chaos in our life, and we can approach it and just say, I see that this lacks your order because these things are present and these things are not of your kingdom. It's a matter of kingdoms. What's present? Is it the kingdom of Yahweh or is it somebody else's kingdom, somebody else's will, somebody else's order. And so this is so important to lay this foundation because what is happening is a continuation now. We are in the era where there's a continuation of the kingdom coming. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, the kingdom is coming from, from heaven to earth. That is how this thing goes. A lot of people will look at Revelation, and there's just like this, like, 
Hollywood or Christian movie production. I don't know. What, what's the series of books called that have to deal left behind that has given us this image that all of a sudden, like, we're all going to die and we're going to wake up in this new place. But if we read the scriptures, John says, I saw the new earth coming out of heaven. So the newness is coming down. Let me ask you, do you think he's seeing a physical earth come out of heaven? Or is he seeing a spiritual kingdom come? Is he seeing a reigning and a ruling coming? Now, maybe when things are restored, they'll look different. But what he's doing right now is he's doing the work of restoring all things to himself. You know, it makes me wonder, don't quote me on this, but it makes me wonder if the forming and the filling of the earth was more of a restoration job than it was a creation job. I don't know. Maybe. Apparently Satan was already here. There's, you know, darkness domain. That's a good question. Did Satan fall before or after the forming and the shaping and the filling of earth? Was it, was it before? Was it before? So then he sees this place where he's had to send angels that have fallen, who've turned their backs on him, and they've come to live on this rock of an earth, and he sees it and he sees chaos and void. He says, that's the place that they went where I'm not. That's the place I sent them where I'm not. And he looks at it and he says, I have to be there. Maybe it was a restoration job. I don't know. But he's restoring all things, and he's partnering with you and I. So here's what we have to understand with this. A lot of us have limited God because we've had a limited understanding of the role that we play in his kingdom. <laughs> as kingdom builders. As kingdom bringers. And so I think we've limited him because we've misunderstood or we've had limited knowledge of the role that we play in that little phrase that Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done. Listen, we're part of that. We'll talk about destiny a little bit more later. But I think the hump that we have to get over is... The idea that we somehow have a small role in the grand scheme of the kingdom. Now, some of us have different roles. So let me just put it this way. I've put it this way in the past. So in the scriptures, it says that we all form one body and each part of the body is indispensable meaning that no part of the body is more important than the other, but we're all connected and we all need each other. And we've got toes and elbows. And I mean, even if you're an armpit of the body of Christ, you're a very important, indispensable armpit in the body of Christ, okay? And he's the head. And he is the one that has decided. He says, I will build my church. Guess what? I'm going to build my body. What my body looks like on earth, I will make it that way. And I will position each person exactly where they need to be. And I will, I will make a space and give them a purpose and a function. And they will live in that purpose and that function. I'm going to be the head. I call the shots. Because I have the ultimate plan. I have the will of the Father that's being worked out on earth. But I'm going to 
fashion an entity that will be filled with my spirit, that will move and function and live and breathe and act and have authority. I was going to say authoritate as a verb. We will authoritate in this world. We will wield the scepter of Christ that shows that we have all authority and power in him. He's passed that baton to us. All authority in heaven and on earth under the earth has been given to me, therefore go. It was a stamping, it was a marking, it was a branding. We have the family crest. We have the banner of Christ as we move forward into the earth with the mission and the will, the authority of the Father, with all of the kingdom behind us, and with the will and the authority of the Father speaking over us, with Father as our banner, as we move in to retake back what was His in the first place, to bring His kingdom when the armies would march down the hill, there would be tens of thousands, right? Like this army, the Israelites coming down and they would have the banners, right? They were, they were supposed to have the banners that were the Lord. The Lord is our banner. So they didn't have a banner, essentially, that anybody could see. But the Lord says, I'm your banner. I'm your spiritual banner. There's no physical banner that you could craft that would show the power and the authority that you actually have behind you. But he says, I'm your banner. And our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have the banner of the Father behind us. We have all of His authority. We have the will of the Father behind us. If you ask anything according to His will, it will be given to you. If He has already willed it, well, then it will be done. I remember one day I was hanging out with, with Illy, and, uh, and we had just finished texting our friend Joshua, asking if we could go swimming at his house, because he has a pool, and he's invited us over before. And so I had just messaged Kim, and we just messaged Josh, and we had just decided that we were going to go swimming at 6 o'clock, maybe it was 4.30. And Illy, out of the blue, looks up at me, and she says, Dad, can we go swimming tonight? And I said, Absolutely. And I just had a moment. I said, you know, I'd already purposed in my heart. I'd already decided. We had already decided that we were going to go swimming. And all she did was ask something that was according to our will already. And she just stepped right into it. You know, maybe she's, maybe she's smarter than I think she is. Maybe she discerned. Maybe she knew I was texting Josh. I don't know. But it's that idea that the Father has a will and we can just step into that and be a part of it. And so He is using us, Dan, you play an integral role in bringing forth the kingdom of God to earth. Every single one of us. We all play an integral, integ integral role. Important. important role. Thank you. Stop using big words. Everybody on Zoom, you play an important part. If you are a part of the body, you have a, you have a design you have a purpose. You have a function. And so he has made you, he has formed you, and is filling you, has filled you with his spirit, with the power to then move forward and act in that. And some of us have maybe felt like we've been experiencing a purposeless, powerless existence on the face of the planet. But let me tell you, there's nothing more powerful than a child of God tapping into, <laughs> communicating with the Father, and having identity and purpose revealed to them. You can't stop that person. What's going to get in their way? 
No weapon formed against us will prosper. The weapon will be formed, but it won't prosper. The weapon will come against us, but it won't prosper. How powerful is a child of God when they realize identity and purpose and they just step into that and they faith into and they go beyond anything that they thought they were ever capable of. Let me tell you, a lot of times we're limited by the role and the title somebody else has put us in because it's not been the role of the father for us. And so I moved to Wichita, Kansas in 2010 to be a church planter. And so when people started calling me church planner and pastor, I just started taking on that role, trying to figure it out. Well, this is who I am. This is the opportunity that I've been given. But let me tell you, my identity is far from, far from it. And it's taken me time. And I've had to walk away from some things. I've had to have my ego. I've had to have self die. I've had to leave some things behind. But let me tell you, I would much rather be functioning where I am now than still functioning where I was and just being lost. And so think about it. Who has been the source of your forming, right? Because that's what we do. Oftentimes, we have been the source of our own forming. Well, here's who I am, and here's what I like, and here's what I do. And we look at talents, and we look at hobbies, and we look at intellectual uh, proclivities and things that we like to get into. And, well, I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm an audio guy, I'm a video guy, I'm a photographer, I'm a this, that, and the other. Kim, you've just been talking about that. It's the year of forgetting for you. You've got to forget a lot of who you thought you were, that person that you have formed over time and presented as who you are. And the Lord says, that's not who you are. And so a lot of that has to fall apart. That old self has to become complete rubble because chaos is the prerequisite for the forming and the filling. And that's where I go back to that statement that I am the chaos that Yahweh forms and fills. If anyone would follow Christ, they have to die to themselves daily, take up their cross. You just have to lay it all down. Lay it all down. Let me, let me just lay that down. Let me purposefully rubbleize. You like that word? Let me purposefully make some things in my life rubble so that I present to the Lord something that can be formed and filled. How about that? God, take all the knowledge I thought I knew and just pulverize it and reshape it. We talked about that last week. God, take all of the titles that I've ever carried. Take all of the, the incorrect thoughts that I've ever thought about myself and pulverize them. Right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind to make new again. So we have to take what is our mind and the things that we've known essentially and allow the Lord to make that new, to reform and refill. And in that regard, we're transformed. We're new people. We're different. Not only are we transformed, listen to this, we're transfigured. Transfiguration means to take on a new shape. Christ on the mountain was transfigured and he took on the image of who he was as the son, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, boom, transfigured like a being of light. This is what I look like as a son. The Lord has spoken that over me. I've received that. I have now transfigured to take on the image that the Father has spoken over me. And in the scripture, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word is actually transfigured. We are transfigured by the renewing of our mind, which means, so when the Lord saw the chaos, the rubble, and he began to speak and he light came, he transfigured the earth. 
And this is what he's doing with us. He's changing our figure. He's reforming. He's reshaping who we are. And then he's filling us. And we, we exist in relationship with him. We partner with him and his will for the earth. We're sons. We are doing the will of the Father. Only do what I see the Father do. I can only go about my Father's business. That's all I can do. He, Jesus was limited in the sense, and someone might crucify me for this, Jesus was limited in the sense that he could only do what he saw the Father doing. He said, son can't do anything on his own. And so have we gotten to the place either where we've said, I can't do anything without you? You're more than enough for me, Jesus. You're all that I need. Have we laid it down? Have we gotten to the place and said, I, I'm tired of trying to build this life? I'm right. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, right? Like it's this idea of building. And so I just want to encourage you all tonight to take on that, that idea. Um, we, it is. It's a very healthy thing, let me tell you, to meditate and to consider these things about ourselves. Um, I think sometimes we don't want to be wrong. There's some sort of guilt or shame or sorrow that comes over us, but you know what it is? It's a, it's a punch to the face for self <laughs> because self desires to win. And we just say, look, I mean, it's the idea of I've gotten to this point in my life and, and I've done everything I can do to build my world, to build my kingdom, to build my wealth, to do all of these things, to be this person. And maybe it's time that we just give it all up, which is totally fine because the emptiness and the void is the prerequisite for the forming and the filling. So what are some of these things that we can knock over? What are some of the, the sandcastles that we can kick that we've built on the beach of life? <laughs> I just want to leave you with that. I don't have an answer for you, but I want to encourage you all to just consider, God, what is it? Man, even one thing. If God, if God destroys and rebuilds and restores one thing, in your life from this conversation, that's a win. But guess what? He takes us from glory to glory, and it's a lifetime, and he does that our entire life. And so, again, all of this is a beautiful invitation into the story of God and the way that he's purposed and fashioned the earth and people and is now bringing his kingdom to earth. And he just invites us to be a part of that. And it's a process, um, but we can press into that. We can say yes to that. And we can lay down self. We can lay down thoughts. We can lay down whatever we need to lay down and just say, yeah, Lord, whatever you want. It's just an act of surrender. And so in the vein of beyond limits, there have been some things that we've thought about ourselves, believed about ourselves, our identity, who we thought we were, our purpose, those kinds of things. And the Lord can repurpose and refashion those things and take us beyond where we have come thus far. Right? So, there you have it.